here at CJLO 1690 AM in Montreal. My name is William Power. I'm with Dominic Demeester. So, folks, we have a crazy, crazy week one to recap. Dominic, we're just talking off air. This could have been the craziest week one I've ever witnessed, been a part of, seen since I started watching football. And I've been watch watching football religiously for a while. Dominic, I'm glad we're doing this show. I'm pumped. Hope you're doing well. And, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's get this show on the road, Dominic. Week one was crazy, wasn't it? 100%. Week one is in the books. Wow. It's completely soul-crushing. If you're a New York Jets fan, poor Aaron Rodgers is out for the season. I think that was the biggest news. Let's get it started. Let's start right there, Dom. You know, there's obviously going to be games to recap, uh, upsets, comebacks, overtimes, uh, overtime victories, and all that stuff. But it's very, very hard to put into words what we saw happen on Monday Night Football with the Jets and the Buffalo Bills, not only because the quarterback goes down, not only because of how quickly in the game he went down and quickly in the season, you just think of all the offseason hype involved with Aaron Rodgers, this New York Jets team, the fact that the Jets finally have a chance to win the division, that you picked them to make it to the Super Bowl, and so did a lot of other people, and they were really like, they had Super Bowl aspirations, not just to make the wild card, not just to win the AFC East, but to go there and to host the Lombardi Trophy after the season, and now with what transpired, you got to figure they're going to be even lucky to make the playoffs. It was incredible, Dominic. I'm honestly still shell-shocked i had a flag football game that night and uh, it was like my game was at nine and at 8 30 my buddy said yo aaron Rodgers is out of the game i said how was that possible the game started like literally four minutes ago and to think that rogers threw one pass one pass in this game and not only was his game done but his season's done with the new york jets it's gonna be zach wilson's team we'll talk about zach wilson and the jets uh, a little bit later on but just for aaron Rodgers, time you really got a feel for him and look i was never a big fan of the jets uh or aaron Rodgers personally but I, I really do feel for him and when he went down there and you saw the replay of of the pop there in his leg it's it's just really you try to find words of how to describe this and it's, it's really difficult because of everything that happened and the magnitude of him playing with the New York Jets but yeah Dom you know you were a big advocate for this Jets team so I'm sure you have a, a lot to talk about as well but horrific horrific news if you're a Jets fan like you said yeah 100 percent there's nothing you can do when you have such a devastating injury. You would hope the guy could come back at one point, but an Achilles injury, you're done. You're gone. And for all those Jets fans right now at home, I'm going to say to all of you, it's not necessarily over for you. I mm -hmm. do believe this team is so highly invested in winning a Super Bowl that mm -hmm. somebody, I don't know who, will come out of the woodwork and be QB for this team. It will not be Zach Wilson long-term. Okay. They're probably obviously looking and turning every stone to find out who could be the quarterback, not only the quarterback, but who can win the Super Bowl as a quarterback for the New York Jets. It will not be Zach Wilson that could lead this Jets team. So I expect a veteran. I don't know who. I'm not going to start rumors, but it will be a big name veteran that will get one last kick of the can to win a Super Bowl because this team is legit. They beat Buffalo. Yeah. Who, let's say, okay, Buffalo, Josh Allen, of course, had one of those Josh Allen games, but the Bills are still a good team. And to me, you know, this game was close all the way through. And for Zach Wilson to take it away from them at the very end, you know, obviously it was a special team's play that sealed the deal but zach wilson had to you know keep the team alive and that for me showcased that the jets definitely have a lot of depth and even with aaron Rodgers gone they were still able to win a huge game a game that will probably resonate for them for the rest of the season i do believe the jets aren't done but however they will have to find the exact quarterback for them to lead them into the playoffs yeah, I mean, look, you look at like what they have in Zach Wilson now. He was number two overall pick, and it's pretty crazy how quickly now it becomes his team for the moment. Robert Sala after the game said um, that it's going to be Zach's team, but I think like you think it's it's smokescreen, and you know I can see that too. It's like who like who is out there for them to get? There's like, guys like Jacoby Brissett, Carson Wentz. 
like if uh, Trey Lance, I feel would have been good, uh, like a good player for them to have kind of went after. It's just like you look at the options out there and, and they, they kind of seem to be limited. So you really, Dom, you don't believe there's any chance they say, look, we invested in the number two overall pick in this guy. He had a great career at BYU. Let's see what he got now. We got, you know, a few more wide receivers to help him out. Um, and we got, you know, a great, great defense that can, you know, alleviate the pressure off. And you don't think, think there's much of a chance that, you know, they kind of take that road and say, look, let's have one last hurrah with Wilson and see what we got. I just think that Zach Wilson is not ready and he might not ever be ready. He just might not be that talented enough to play the position in the NFL, maybe as a backup, but not as a starter. Zach Wilson could maybe get you, you know, close to 500 if you, if you're lucky, but at the end of the day, you know, you got to put points on the board and I just don't think Zach Wilson can do it. I really do believe that as we speak, somebody is training their butt off to be there for the Jets, whether it be, I'm going to throw some names, William, whether it be a Matt Ryan, a Philip Rivers, or a Ben Roethlisberger, I really do believe wow. it's going to be a vet, a vet that has the passion, maybe even the winning pedigree to have an opportunity because this opportunity doesn't present itself every day. This team is loaded and a veteran, only a veteran can lead this team to at least the playoffs. That's mission number one. And once you got your ticket in the playoffs, anything can happen, especially when you got a deadly D like the Jets. I'm telling you, something will happen. All Zach Wilson has to do is, at the very worst, lose only two games in the next four weeks. And I do believe by week five, you'll have a vet ready to go for the Jets. When we talk about, like, obviously the Jets here coming out with an incredible victory, a nice comeback there. I really thought this game was over when it was 13-3. to Zach Wilson, you know, playing uh, game manager at this point. The defense having a heck of a game for the Jets. Uh, three interceptions thrown uh, by Allen in this one was, you know, was incredible. It just seems to be kind of uh, making those, I guess you can say, mistakes that he's kind of seemed to have made um, over, you know, no, I shouldn't say over the course of his career, but just there, he has these kind of brain farts and he's this gunslinger, right? And he just seems to make these kind of quote-unquote rookie mistakes. Whitehead picking him off three times in this game. That's inexcusable. I know it's week one, and I know it's, you know, people say it's an extension of the preseason, but this is a team that has the team to win a Super Bowl, right? Josh Allen's a quarterback that's capable of winning the Super Bowl. And I think that for me, that's why in this offseason, I wasn't really, you know, buying too much of the hype. I know the Super Bowl caliber team, but I just think their window has passed. And maybe we've seen that. Maybe the offseason issues with Stephon Von Diggs and everything that went on there, uh, you know, was was kind of ruffled the feathers there with Buffalo. I think if you got to look at who, like, who does this game mean more for? In other words, like, do the Jets uh, is this a bigger win for the Jets or a bigger loss for the Buffalo Bills? And and for me, I have to say it's a bigger loss for the Bills just because I can't fathom the fact that they lost this game when Aaron Rodgers was pulled and Zach Wilson, like he. Honestly, looked like he had no business being in the football game. He didn't look like he knew what he was doing. Thankfully, the running game was working, and so was the Jets' defense. But a lot of the Jets' defense, uh, you know, were making plays because Josh Allen was throwing balls. He had absolutely no business throwing. That first one was a punt that, you know, Whitehead was basically was able to fair catch, wait for the fair catch and, and make the interception there with how much time he had. But look, Allen did the right thing in the press conference. He always takes the blame. But, you know, this is happening a little bit too often because we've seen more great games from Allen than we've seen poor games. But he's too good of a quarterback to be having these type of – like Mahomes doesn't have these type of games. Bro doesn't have these type of games. You know, the top – Justin Herbert doesn't have these type of games. He has to stop, you know, being this turnover machine. And not only that, did he fumble the ball twice on the same play. And for me, that was the game-changing play for the Jets. But, yeah, Allen Dom is just too good of a quarterback to be – throwing up turnovers and, you know, giving his the opponents chances and handing the win to his opponents. He's too good to be doing this. I know it's week one, but I'm not buying this week one. Give him more time. Look, the Buffalo Bills, I'm sure will still make the playoffs, but this is to keep an eye on. I think this is a this is a dangerous loss for the Bills, Donald. That's what I'm going to say. A divisional matchup, a game they should have won. This is a dangerous loss for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, it's a pretty bad loss the way it all came to be. But, you know, Josh Allen is still an elite quarterback mm -hmm. amongst you know, very few elite quarterbacks in the NFL. I'll put him, you know, at least in the top 10. And when you got a top 10 quarterback, you could have an opportunity to at least make the playoffs. I just think there's too much pressure on the guy. And I don't put it all the blame on him. I put a lot of the blame on the organization. You know, they didn't really get a good running back so far that we've seen. It's only week one. But from what we see, they're still lacking 
a running identity in Buffalo. And I understand Stefan Diggs' frustration. There's not really anybody else on this offense in terms of like a star other than Stefan Diggs. So at one point, you know, you know that it's all on your shoulders. And Josh Allen clearly knows that his best chemistry is with Stefan Diggs. He just needs to find somebody else in the offense, whether it be the offensive coordinator, whether it be the head coach. There needs to be another ingredient in Buffalo. And they currently don't have it. And that Dalton Kincaid big pick in the first round that Buffalo drafted was a mistake. They needed to add at least something else. Look at Detroit. You know, they added a big running back right off the bat. And we're such, you know, devaluing the position. You get stuck with a situation in Buffalo where if, if Stefan Diggs gets covered and, you know, Josh Allen feels the stress, you start losing football games. And I think that's what we're seeing in Buffalo. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good take there, Dom. And you, like, it's funny because I was watching Good Morning Football and they're talking about like, you know, these great teams and they always have solid wide receiver twos. And the question becomes, who could be that wide receiver two for um, the Buffalo Bills? And, and Gabe Davis is really, for me, the first the first thing that comes to mind. But yes, you also got to produce in a running game. So what you see with the Buffalo Bills do, I, I wonder if they're going to go uh, fill out for, for a wide receiver, potentially fight for running back. Maybe get a guy like Jonathan Taylor, right? Looks like his time in Indianapolis could be done. But yeah, a big loss there for the Bills. We'll see. Um, We'll see how they're, they're able to bounce back uh, this week as they have their home opener against the Las Vegas Raiders. Let's jump to the Thursday night football, Dom, the game that kicked off the 2023 season. The Detroit Lions go into Arrowhead Stadium and they do the impossible. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs 21-20. to Obviously, look, when we were doing the show, we didn't know Travis Kelsey would be injured. Unfortunately, he was injured. Hyperextended his knee uh, very, very uh, close to uh, the kickoff or the, the day before. And uh, yeah, you could tell. You could definitely tell Travis Kelsey was missing this game because I think we saw more drops in this game uh, than we did all of last season combined because I mean not just the Chiefs the people are leaving the, the you know the lines off the, the hook Marvin Jones Jr. didn't play a good game he dropped two balls but yes of course I don't want to hit on the guy even more than he's already taken a lot of heat Kadarius Tony had one of the worst performances we've seen out of a wide receiver I feel like Patrick Mahomes had a nice game in this one uh, but yeah I want to get your take down and then I'll give you my opinion on the game but the Lions get a big win, 21-20 over the Chiefs. And uh, yeah, I don't think many people saw this coming. Yeah, it's week one in the NFL, and there's always a couple oddities. This would be one of them. I'm thinking that clearly Travis Kelsey is the key to the Chiefs offense. I think that is obvious to everybody listening. So that being said, what went wrong? What went wrong is that, you know, Kansas City doesn't have a great offensive line either right right now. It's, It's week one. They need to gel. They got two new linemen in there that, in my opinion, didn't do a great job against the pass rush, which made Mahomes run more than I've seen him in a little while. You know, he had six carries for 45 yards. You know, I usually see Mahomes throwing the ball a lot more. He went he went 21 for 39, 226 yards. That's not, for me, a, a good Pat Mahomes game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did like what I saw in terms of uh, the young rookie, Rasheed Rice. You know, he saved here and there Mahomes. But other than that, the receiving core of Kansas City is really awful right now. And it's week one. So let's give it a bit more time. But those are my two concerns. The offensive line and the lack of receivers in Kansas City. If Kelsey were to miss, you know, maybe like three or four more weeks for whatever reason, you know, Kansas City in that division might have a problem winning the division. So let's keep an eye on that. It's a a bit concerning if I'm a Chiefs fan. Granted, they just won a couple Super Bowls. If they were not to make the playoffs, I'm sure I'd be pretty happy. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's well said there, Dom. Yeah, and like, look, you uh, you really touched on a lot of good points there. And for me, it was yeah, the offensive line didn't have a great game for the Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, he played a really good game. Uh, I think that you know he really made his presence felt. You know, statistically, he may not have got a ton of sacks or stuff, but he was really. Uh, you know, getting into the head of Patrick Mahomes or at least that O-line because he seemed to be uh, feasting in that game. Yes, Travis Kelsey was obviously a huge loss in that one. Um. And look, for Kansas City, they're going to play this week the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that's in Jacksonville, and that's definitely no gimme. But uh, yeah, you, you, you want to get Kelsey back for that one. I do want to slow down the, the, the hype train for the Lions just a little bit because I, I was not all that impressed with the way the Lions played. People already say I buy into the Lions hype. They played great. 
I'm not sure how great they played in this game. I, I found this offense very one-dimensional. I didn't think that they were very uh, creative on the offensive side of the ball. I think defensively, look, if they don't get that pick six that bounces off Kadarius Tony's hands, I don't think this Detroit Lions team wins the game. And the Lions, you know, their defense did well. They they, they went front, fourth down to the Lions, and the defense, uh, you know, stood stood tall for Kansas City, didn't even let them get that, that field goal. And I was very impressed with the Lions defense. But the supposedly new, new vamped Lions offense in this game, I didn't really see all that much of. And I think that come week two, we should see a little more. But I just want to slow down this Lions hype train just a tad before everybody jumps on it. So, Don, we talked about a few games that happened this past weekend. Let me throw it over to you. A bunch of, bunch of games to talk about. Let's, uh, let's dissect one of the games of your choice. Let's go talk about the San Francisco 49ers versus yeah. the Pittsburgh Steelers. San Francisco taking it 30 to 7. Wow, this game I watched it from head to toe. And yeah. listen, San Francisco with Brock Purdy. There's a reason why he's quarterback. He was Mr. Calm, cool, and collected and delivered. 19 for 29, 220 yards and two TDs. Christian McCaffrey running for 22 carries, 152 yards and one TD. Really the backbreaker here was the beginning of the second half and McCaffrey with that massive run, I think yeah. sealed the deal. Listen for Steelers fan. I can only say that it's week one. Kenny Pickett, in my opinion, had his worst game as a QB in the NFL. Wow. The offense looked absolutely atrocious mm -hmm. and they also started the game with some bad luck. I mean, when you start the game with your DB slipping you give San Francisco a free touchdown, and then right after you get the ball and your wide receiver slips and you throw in interceptions, you know, you're going to be really thinking that the world's against you and, you know, you're starting the week in a horrible way. And they never were able to recover. As a matter of fact, I think their first, you know, big drive came in, came in with a two-minute warning. So to me, Pittsburgh, yes, maybe if they would have started the second half on the right foot, it could have gone differently, maybe. But they got also a big injury with Cameron Hayward going down in this game. And Cameron Hayward is a really strong defensive player for Pittsburgh. I was kind of concerned to see they didn't have a lot of depth to start to stop the running game. But San Francisco, I think, just had a better game plan. You know, one guy that was the unsung hero was Brandon Ayuk. Eight receptions, 129 yards, and two TDs. That doesn't happen normally against the Steelers. If you're going to beat the Steelers, usually you're going to beat them through the tight end position and some good running, which we saw with McCaffrey. But Brennan Ayuk, to me, I think that Mike Tomlin, unfortunately, did not prepare his troops. And he just needs to move on. And Matt Canada, that play calling looks like it's a ling lingering issue for all Steelers nations. It's kind of like a concern because we've seen Matt Canada be in this organization and we don't know exactly whether or not he's the right fit, but I'm not going to panic. It's week one. I'm going to say the Steelers will bounce back, and San Francisco clearly is the real deal. This team is scary and will win a lot of games in the NFL this year. Well, yeah, I really think that San Francisco, you know, obviously it's week one, but they showed in this game they should be the favorites in the NFC. You look, you look at last year what happened. Obviously, there was a ton of injury concerns. The quarterback, Rob Purdy, going down. Uh, look, the Eagles are the defending NFC champs. For me, the, the 49ers are the favorites in the NFC. And I think that, you know, this the way they punched the Steelers in the mouth in this game kind of showed that. And, yeah, it was a little surprising. You know, a lot of people pit the Pittsburgh Steelers in an upset here. And I think that, you know, in preseason, we saw how great Kenny Pickett looked and how much his offense was flowing. Um, that I think for, for those reasons and many more, people were expecting to see this high-powered, new Pittsburgh Steelers offense um, that, you know, has picked on the same page as receivers as Najee Harris running up the middle so it was a little disappointing to see and a little bit surprising I guess you know we'll, we'll chalk that up to week one but you know in this division division I don't think you can afford to have too too many games like that so yeah hopefully the Steelers pick it up there and I thought that was gonna be one of the better games of the week uh, unfortunately it wasn't and you know San Francisco is a great team and that defense looks just as strong if not stronger as it did last year um I'm going to stick in the AFC North with another team that struggled. My shocker of the week is how poorly the Cincinnati Bengals played in this game. They lost 24 to three. I watched the majority of this first half mainly because I had Joe Mixon as my running back in fantasy and 
the Cincinnati Bengals offense looked not even like it was preseason. They looked like it was pre-preseason, as if it was like a walkthrough, and they just could not get anything going from the very, very first snap of the game when Miles Garrett came in there and, you know, forced that incompletion with Joe Burrow uh, and, you know, hit his arm there, and then the ball floated up and almost got picked. This was like the worst I have seen the Bengals play in a very, very long time. They're, you know, their defense played okay, gave up 24 points, but the defense, you know, didn't really have much help from the offense, so it, it's hard to really find fault there. But with these trio of receivers and this running back in Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow, and, you know, the fact that a lot of people, you know, even you truly had them winning the Super Bowl this year, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. They they were struggling to gain yards, let alone first downs. It looked ugly, kind of similar to what you said with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Dom. And, like, I don't know if it was the play calling, if it was the week one, if it was not being on the same page. But even Chase and Burrow didn't seem to be on the same page, which is something that, you know, I was surprised about. Look, if he's not on the same page, he has guys like T. Higgins. Uh, Tyler Boyd, you know, that's obviously not a good thing, but, you know, him and Jamar Chase are always, always on the same page. They, you know, they have, like, they read each other's minds, and the fact that, like, they just didn't in this game, and he would overthrow them or throw the ball out of bounds, Burrow just didn't look comfortable, and he looked frustrated. He doesn't often look frustrated, and you can kind of see him grimacing throughout the game and just, like, kind of like, oh, like, like what's happening? Like, why aren't my receivers running the, the routes I expect them to? Why can't I complete a pass? And, look, it was raining, and even during the game, the announcers were talking about his hand size. And, you know, we kind of, we dismissed that very early on in his career because Joe Burrow is, you know, in my opinion, the second best quarterback in the NFL right now behind Mahomes. So I'm not really worried about that. But the rain obviously did play a factor, but I was very surprised at how poor this this uh, Bengals team looked. You look at, like, from A to Z in this, and you could talk about a lot of different teams that, you know, had, the, had a very poor performance week one. I was going to ask you later on on the show, you know, who was your most disappointing team in week one? You could look at a lot of them, the Bears, the Giants. For me, it's the Bengals, just because the expectations, the fact that they put up three points, and the fact that, you know, Burrow had less than 90 passing yards in this game. I just can't wrap my head around that. Credit to the Browns. Got to give credit where credit is due. They ran the ball well. Deshaun Watson looked pretty good in this game. A huge statement win by them. Uh, Browns winning 24-3 in this one, but Cincinnati looked awful to say the least in this one. Yeah, I'm not too concerned if I'm a Bengals fan. Clearly, Joel Burrow was not on his game, and that's why you have preseason, folks. That's why you get into the continuity, back in the flow of things. And Joe Burrow not being there because of an injury, he clearly had a lot of miscommunications with his receivers. Uh, that being said, you still got to show up. You got to play. It's obviously hard when it's raining, but Cleveland just owns Cincinnati. It's been like a rivalry now. You know, you got Jamar Chase opening his big mouth before the game, you know, yeah. the Browns elves and things like that, that just added fuel to the fire. And then on top of that, it's like Jim Brown, you know, they're commemorating this wonderful running back that we got to all enjoy and see, you know what? The Browns were ready to play and they delivered and they smacked Cincinnati in the face. And it's like, honestly, this could be a rivalry to keep an eye on because if the Browns end up beating Cincinnati twice, every single year the browns will have a legitimate chance to stay within this division because cincinnati we all think is going to win the division but the browns you know it's way too early for me to kind of like cheer for the browns a bit because i am not a deshaun watson fan you could say he had a decent game but 16 for 29 154 yards in the air is not good enough for me you know one touchdown one pick I think it's really Nick Chubb's team. You know, if Nick Chubb mm -hmm. could carry this team with the defense, there's an opportunity there, maybe. But that's a big maybe. I think at the end of the year, the Browns won't make the playoffs. They're right now being solidified with that strong D, but it's all about depth. We'll see if the Browns have enough depth to carry them through because at the wide receiver position, we need someone to step up. We haven't seen it week one, in my opinion, and Deshaun Watson needs to play a lot better. That's how I saw this game, but congratulations for the Browns. Yeah, like big win for the Cleveland Browns. For me, it's going to be Amari Cooper uh, taking the load. He's going to get, uh, you know, a ton of the targets. He got seven targets in this game, only for three catches. But yeah, he's definitely by far the, you know, the best receiver on this team. I don't care about age. I don't care about, you know, what you want to say about him and, you know, how much trade he has left on the tires. Elijah Moore is a good guy that could get, you know, with his speed and, you know, his cuts. But yeah, for me, it's uh, Amari Cooper that's going to play a big role. And yeah, I felt Nick Chubb 106 yards in this game. I felt like there was a, like, a quiet 106 yards. We don't, uh, we didn't necessarily give 
give him uh, give him like the the game ball in this one. But I think that he he did have a very good game. But yeah, that that Browns defense on um, and Miles Garrett it was really good to see him kind of getting in that extra gear and uh, to to be back to to the old player that he used to want to. Uh, yeah, I think that you know for Cleveland, we talk about teams having other teams' number, and you said it very well. Cleveland having Cincinnati's and uh, sometimes it's just like that. You know, maybe it's it's uh, not being able to throw against a certain defense. The fact that you know uh, teams in the same division play each other tough. But yeah, no, I'm not all that concerned with Cincinnati uh, yet, but it was just very surprising to see something like that and, you know, putting up three points and the lack of yards for Joe Burrow. Um, yeah, Don, let's talk about another game. I'll throw it over to you. Yeah, I'm going to throw a curveball here, William. Let's talk yeah. about the Rams against the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I like I that. I watched this game and I was impressed. Really was. And I thought of you, William, because you picked the Rams to finish second in this division. I was kind of like, what is he saying? Really? <laughs> but wow, was I impressed with Matthew Stafford. It's like he drank from the fountain of youth. So much for that injury. He went 24 for 38, 334 yards in the air. And wow, who knew that? Without Cooper Cup, this offense could roll, but they did. They found a jewel in Puka Nakua. 15 targets, clearly taking over Cup's position. 10 reception, 119 yards. This guy delivered specifically on third down. And your Notre Dame alma mater, Kyrie yep. Williams, coming in. 15 carries, 52 yards, and two TDs. I didn't see that one coming. They'll need to monitor that because Cam Akers went local last year, not getting the ball. He did get the ball 22 times, but a lot of the carries came late into uh, kind of like the game. So, wow. Congratulations, Rams. Great game. As for Seattle, there's a concern in Seattle. The concern is the offensive line getting two huge injuries right off the bat. Whether or not they linger uh, for a couple of weeks remains to be seen. But Charles Cross, left tackle, got injured on his toe. Keep, keep an eye on that because Geno Smith looked like the old Geno Smith. Without an offensive line, this team's not going nowhere. So you got him pegged exactly where they probably will end up. You know, number three in that division, unless they get a healthy offensive line. Because this was a pretty surprising loss, in my opinion. Granted, it's all about, you know, availability. Looks like they're lacking a bit of depth in Seattle at the offensive position in terms of the offensive line. So let's see how that plays out. But congratulations for the Rams. They had a great victory. And that became obvious with Matt Stafford throwing for 334. Well, look, I mean, the, the Rams, you know, they've kind of become, quote-unquote, irrelevant over the last little while. And, look, it's not not all that surprising. Just Cooper Cup was injured last season. And, uh, you know, after winning the Super Bowl, it was like, okay, let's see them defend the Super Bowl title. And it was the complete opposite of what you'd expect from a team that just came back. But, look, don't forget, they have the trio of Stafford, Cup, and McVay. And, you know, a head coach in McVay that knows the offense as well as him and that's as smart as him is a very dangerous one. And look, you said it. Cooper Cup didn't even play in this game. And it was Nakua that had 10 catches, 119 yards. I'm impressed with Tutu Atwell coming out of Louisville because I was waiting for him to explode. But it's tough when you have a guy like Cooper Cup getting 15, 16 targets a game. He wasn't playing too, too sure what he was all about. Uh, both Atwell and Nakua having exactly 119 receiving yards. Just that in itself is impressive uh, to have one receiver putting up yards like that but to have two of them is even more and yeah I'm you know I'm not I'm not gonna doubt this Rams team I think like, I could see a better season than they, they did last season so I uh, wasn't all that so I was surprised at how one-sided this game was um I, I like Seattle and I think that you know they're above middle of the pack team but the sleeper Super Bowl pick of Seattle, I think, is a little too much. Geno Smith had a very good late year last year, and he proved a lot of haters wrong, myself included. I did not expect him to have the season he did last year. But I, I can't see him replicating what he did last year, and a lot of people think he was, was going to and will. Um, and obviously, like, it's one game. It's very early that we don't want to overreact. We want overreactions. But I can't say I'm all that shocked with the way this, this game turned out. I'm surprised it was that one-sided. But if you would have told me the Rams won this game, I, I wouldn't have been – uh, you know, too, too surprised. Um, because, yeah, like Matt Stafford, like you said, 334 passing yards. He is good in this defense, seeming to be everywhere, uh, not giving anything to this, you know, this run game and this pass game of the Seattle Seahawks. And not only that, to win this game on the road was even that more impressive. So keep an eye on those Rams. And that was a big win and a good upset win by them. I'm going to go to my team. You know, I've got to talk about my Miami Dolphins after the game of the week. They come up with a 36 to 34 victory over the Chargers. This was an absolutely incredible game. And taking the, the Dolphins fan out of me, um, 
and the fact that I had a heart attack for the first quarter to the fourth. And it's hard to enjoy games when your team is giving up the run like the Miami Dolphins were. And, you know, you're a fan and, you know, it's, it's hard to uh, to appreciate plays that the other teams make. But this game was made by the offense of both teams and, you know, special players in both teams. Tyreek Hill c- completely taking this game over. And it's I, – I heard a quote, I believe it was from Shannon Sharp, that's saying that he is the scariest player in the NFL – just because like there's guys like Aaron Donnelly, you know, there's guys like Jamar Chase, there's guys like Patrick Mahomes, and these guys are very, very special. But it's it's hard to find a way to slow down a guy like Tyreek Hill. Like, what is the recipe to slow him down? Do you double team him? Do you have a high low? Do you press him? Do you play him in play him in man? The Chargers were playing a ton of man in this game, which completely baffled my mind. When you have guys like Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, Waddle had a bit of a quiet game. He did put up over 80 yards, but Tyree Kill went absolutely bananas this game. And it was honestly dumb, like watching a video game between two of my buddies playing. It was score after score after score. The Chargers' running game looked incredible in this game. The Dolphins could not stop the run. The defense finally, finally made a stop at the end of the game. Fangio sending in the blitz. And it worked. They got a grounding penalty and two sacks to end this game. But, you know, this game is about Tyreek Hill and Tua. And, you know, Tua had a few throws he did get away with. He had, he, he had an incredible game. He won Offensive Player of the Week, rightfully so. He did have a few a few throws he got away with. He ended up throwing a pick uh, when he threw the, the ball and, like, a jump ball to Braxton Barrios, which is not a smart throw. But he looked in command of this offense, and he was throwing Tyreek Hill open. And then there were just throws where I could have been because Tyreek Hill was making Tyreek Hill open just because because of you know how quick and, and incredible he is this was a fun game to watch like I, i'm gonna re-watch this game just because it was because it was so back and forth there were seven lead changes um and yeah incredible plays made in in, in uh uh in every facet of the game whether it's offense defense special teams in this one uh it was it was an incredible game that was a, a great one and i'm glad that my dolphins uh pulled out on top a healthy Tua is a great Tua. So, hey, 466 yards, three TDs, one pick. Wow, hats off to Tua. He deserves it. And we talked about this high-tempo offense. offense. This The tempo is just beautiful, and the flow is yeah. great. So if they play a team that kind of, like, mirrors their competitive high-scoring offense like the Chargers, I mm-hmm. think the Dolphins probably win – more often than not. And I'm mm. pretty surprised to say that because this Chargers defense was pretty darn good. So I know they put the let 36 points on the board, but they got some talented defensive players is what I'm getting at. But mm. for whatever reason, the higher the score, the happier the Miami Dolphins are in these games. Watch them this week. They're playing the Patriots, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah. If they start playing you know, Bill Belichick style football, they will lose that game. As, Mm. you know, as strange as that sounds, after seeing them beating a very good Chargers team, they need to have control of the flow of the game. And that's with their offense just going all out. If this offense does not stop, you know, passing the ball, he went, went, what, 45 times, 466? Yes, Tyreek Hill had one of his best games ever. But I think it's more than that. I really think it's Mike McDaniel really having the right tempo for his offense. And that will lead Miami to victories. If he, if he strays away from that, they will start losing. You see, the Chargers tried to mix it up a bit here. They probably, you know, caught on to that kind of theory that I just described because it's obvious the higher the, the score, you know, Miami's got a great offense. Let's not hide it. So they tried to pound the football and they were successful at it because the Dolphins weakness is that linebacker core does not scare me whatsoever. And they got a lot of success. Unfortunately, they probably didn't kill the clock enough to, you know, there was, they're always scoring. They were scoring at will against the Dolphins. So great yeah. football game overall, overall, but keep an eye on the tempo of the game for the Dolphins That's going to be the key to their success. And I think that this week they might have a different outcome playing against the Patriots. Yeah, I think that's a good take there, Dominic. It was just such smooth sailing for this offense. You just trusted them to go out on the field and to put up points. And and two was just dissecting defense and the charge offense look good too so i'm curious to see where both teams uh you know head coming into week two all right let's uh let's talk about another game there dom Let's talk about a complete blowout because it was shocking. The Dallas Cowboys annihilating the New York Giants 40 to nothing. 
What happened, William? What happened to Daniel Jones? You give him a huge contract, and then he comes out 15 for 28, 104 yards, two picks. I mean, it was brutal. Honestly, brutal. Poor Saquon Barkley. You know, he's asking for a big contract. If the Giants are going to be successful, you're going to need Saquon to be the guy. I'm sorry, Daniel Jones is not Josh Allen. As great of a freaking season he had last year, People yeah. have game tape now on him. Clearly, the Dallas Cowboys, which within the division, have Daniel Jones mapped out to a T. There's an issue with the Giants. No matter how good Brian Dable's schemes are, you can't make it all about Daniel Jones. And I think he's going to start to realize that because obviously, at first, you know, he came in last year. You want to instill confidence into your quarterback. He did a marvelous job. However, you do have a lot more than Daniel Jones. You have Saquon Barkley. You have Darren Waller. You have Isaiah Hutchins. I mean, they even drafted a big sleeper in Jalen Hyatt. Use yeah. these weapons. I'm sure we're going to see him throughout the season. But right now, I'm big time concerned about those Giants because this is the Daniel Jones I talked to you about. This fluke yeah. of a quarterback that had a miraculous year last year, got paid, shouldn't got paid. Now they're stuck with him. So, Good luck, Giants fans. Let's hope Brian Dable is a guru. I believe he is. But right now, he needs to turn it around quick because that was an embarrassing 40 to nothing. Dallas takes it. Oh, it was it was atrocious. It was very, very hard to watch. It was disappointing, too. A sad way to end a great Sunday of football. And, like, you look at that game, and we talk about overreactions after week one. And I think this could be an overreaction. But with what I saw... And what I get the feeling is going to happen with the Giants this year, I almost wouldn't even be surprised to see them picked first or second overall. And I know that sounds ridiculous because it was just one game and the Dallas Cowboys are a great team. But there just seemed to be something different about this cow, this, excuse me, this Giants offense. And I don't, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was Barkley still upset with the situation there, if it was the fluke of Daniel Jones last year. I, I don't know what it was. I, I really don't know what it was, but it was just a very poor performance. And I think it was just more than that. I, I think it's going to linger. And I think this Giants team will struggle throughout the course of the season. And I honestly don't think they're going to have a great season. I know it's very early, but we talk about week one overreactions. And, uh, you know, I'm okay with giving them. I think that uh, some of them are, are, you know, pretty cool. And some of them turn out to be the case. So hopefully the Giants pick it up there. Um, just a minute now before our last break, we got the Ravens, uh, pretty easy game against the Texans, 25 to nine. We got the Falcons over the Panthers, 24 to 10. Uh, Washington squeezing out a victory over the Cards, 20 to 16. Tampa Bay shocking Minnesota there, 20 to 17. Baker Mayfield dumb, uh, putting on a show there in Minnesota, finding new ways to lose football games. Uh, Jaguars winning a nice one, 31 21 over the Colts. Saints, Titans, uh, 16 to 15. Saints edge out a win there. The Raiders win by one over the Broncos, 17 to 16. Uh, and then we had the Eagles in the tight one, 25 20 over the Patriots. Eagles had control of that game and almost let New England come back and creep in. And then there was the complete blow by the Packers, which I did not expect. Green Bay winning 38 to 20. Jordan Love looked good. So let's jump into the games that are going to happen in week two. Later tonight, we got the Minnesota Vikings and the Philadelphia Eagles. Dom, I'll throw it over to you. The Eagles are favored by six and a half at home. Six and a half at home. This sounds like an Eagles victory. I think that Jalen Hurts really didn't get that offense going a lot last week against the Patriots. I think that changes. The Eagles take it 30 to 10. Well, I expect a much tighter game in this one. I was disappointed in Minnesota week one. You have to find a way to beat Baker Mayfield and the Bucs. It, it must be frustrating to be a Vikings fan. Um, it's, it's not that easy being a Dolphins fan either, so let's I won't, uh, won't complain there too much. But I'm going to go Philly 24-23 in this one. I see this one being tight, and the Eagles end up squeezing out a victory. Next up, Sunday games, Kansas City Chiefs at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jags favored by three and a half in this one. Oof, this is going to be a good game. The Travis Kelsey situation is not clear. We don't know what's going to happen in this one. I just can't see the Chiefs falling to 0-2. I just can't do it. I feel like doing it. I'm picking Jacksonville, but I will not do it. I'm going to go Kansas City wins in this game. Uh, a high-scoring game. They win and they cover. I'm going to go final score 34-30 to in this one for the Chiefs. I 100% agree. Travis Kelsey is the guy to cover. They just won't be able to. Kansas City gets back their confidence, take the victory 27 to 20. 
All right. Next up, we got the Green Bay Packers at the Atlanta Falcons. Both teams uh, having a nice week one, winning their games. We got Green Bay favored by one and a half at the Atlanta Falcons. I'm going to go Green Bay here and Green Bay to cover as well. Was very impressed with Jordan Love. He looked good. He looked much better than Justin Fields. I'm going to say that. And uh, yeah, I got Green Bay winning this game. I'm going to go final score 27 to 17 in this one. Green Bay wins and they're able to cover. I'm going to disagree with you here, William, in Atlanta. Robinson in front of his home crowd. I like what I see so far with the Atlanta Falcons. I'm a little concerned about the quarterback, but the way that they're running the ball is beautiful. Give me Atlanta 20 to 18. All right, nice little upset there. We got a divisional matchup next. The Baltimore Ravens at the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati favored by three and a half. Dominic Cincy at home. Baltimore has a problem in the secondary and Cincinnati is going to expose it. They are going to be mad with that loss last week. They take this game 28 to 20. I expect a similar score, a similar result with Cincinnati winning in this one. It's similar to Kansas City. Uh, well, I said similar a lot there, but similar to Kansas City. I just cannot see this team falling to 0-2. I'm going to go Cincy putting up points and covering the spread uh, with uh, Baltimore hopefully looking a little bit better on the offense. I'm going to go Cincy wins 30-24 to over Baltimore. Next up, we got the Seattle Seahawks at the Detroit Lions. Detroit favored by 5.5 in this one. Oof, this is going to be a good game. I'm going to call an upset here. Give me my upset special. I'm going to say Seattle goes into Detroit. They get the victory. Like I said, I was not all that impressed with the Detroit team, even though they beat the defending Super Bowl champions. The offense didn't look that good. I think Seattle bounces back this week, regardless of their O-line concerns. You know, you see uh, a few upsets every week, and I think this one could spell an upset. So I'm going to go 27-24 here. Seattle wins. Detroit's offensive line is really talented. That is what is going to propel Detroit. They're going to have a bunch of protection in the pocket. Jared Goff goes off in this game. They take this convincingly 35 to 13. Alrighty, next up, we got the Chicago Bears at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers favored by two and a half, Dom. I loved what I saw with the grit of Baker Mayfield. This guy really wants to stay in the NFL. But the way that he's throwing his body around, sometimes you wonder when's the, that hit's going to come that's going to take him out. You know what? They're playing the Bears, and they're playing the Bears who are mad. Give me the Bears 20-17. to 17. Oof. I, you know, I felt like I, had a, I was going to have a tough time picking this game, and I will, and I think the spread is a very good one. Because I'm going to go Tampa Bay wins, but they don't cover. They win this game 23-21. I think they get a late last-second field goal. Baker Mayfield gets these guys in field goal position, and they do. They complete it, and they go 2-0, and, and, and the Bears fall to 0-2. Next up, Las Vegas Raiders at the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo looking to bounce back after that poor performance from Josh Allen. Game is in Buffalo. Bills favored by 9.5 in this one. I'm going to go Buffalo winning this game. I don't got them covering. I think a lot of people pick Bills here in a survivor pick. This could be a bit of a trap game for the Bills. Don't forget, people, the Super Bowl is in Las Vegas this year. And, you know, while Jimmy G may not be the sexiest quarterback out there, this offense will keep the team in this game. And I think their run game will as well. But I think the Bills will end up itching out a victory. I'm going to go final score here, 28 to 23 for Buffalo. Yeah, keep an eye out on the matchup between Marcus Peters and Stephon Diggs. Whoever wins that wins the game. I have a feeling Buffalo has to have this game, but they don't cover the spread. Give me Buffalo 24 to 23. All right, next up, battle of two 0-1 teams. We got the Chargers and the Titans. Game is in Tennessee. We got the Chargers favored by three, Dom. In Tennessee, that's a tough place to play. The Chargers match up really well, unfortunately, against Tennessee. But something tells me the crowd is going to be the difference maker. Give me Tennessee in a very close football game, 24 to 23. Time to not permit us to talk about this uh, Tennessee game uh, this past weekend against the New Orleans Saints. But Dom, and I know you may not be a big fan of this one because uh, you're uh, a big fan of Rabel, but I was very disappointed with how he coached this game. Quickly, they were down 16-12 to 12 late in this game. They had a fourth down. I believe it was on the 11 or 12-yard line, a fourth and five. They kick a field goal with just over two minutes left. And what do you know? They don't see the football anymore. I think that was very, very conservative play calling 
calling there uh, to bring out the field goal unit there by Tennessee. I'm not sure if you caught that there, Don, but I one thing I really dislike in football is conservative football, and I think Vrabel holds the L this week, and I know Tannehill had a very poor game as well, but I'm going to throw Vrabel under the bus here. I'm not sure if you, you caught that game, but a very, very curious decision uh, from, from my end there, Dominic, by the Tennessee Titans. Did you, did you see some of that? 100% William, and I 100% agree with your take. Oh, nice. I like it. I didn't think you were going to agree, but right, let's go. I'm going to pick the Chargers winning in this game, winning and covering. They're just a better team, and they find a way to go out there and win this game. And Herbert has a very good game, and they're able to put up points. I'm going to go 31-20 final score for the Chargers. Next up, a divisional matchup. Colts at the Houston Texans. We got the Colts favored by one in this one, Dom. Battle of two rookie QBs. Now, this is a tough one to call. It's a coin toss, you know. I'm going to have to say that Houston's going to win this one because really? we got Richardson a bit banged up, and I have a feeling we're going to see a bit more fireworks than last week about that offense. I think the wide receivers finally find a way to get some touchdowns. Give me Houston in a high-scoring game, 35-30. to 30. I'm going to go a bit of more of a low-scoring game, and I've actually got the Colts winning this game. I'm surprised that Indy is only favored by one, but I guess, like you said, the game is in Houston. And, you know, Indy looked fairly good last week. There was some ups and downs from Anthony Richardson. I'm going to go 20 to 16 here. Final score, the Colts get their first win of the season and improve to one and one. Next up, we got the New York Giants at the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals in this one, almost inching out a victory against Washington, but were unable to do so. We got the Giants favored by six. And honestly, I could see, I, calling it early on, I could see both these teams picking one and two come this NFL, next NFL draft. I'm going to go with the Giants in this one just because I have to pick a winner. I'm going to go 17 to 16 here. Giants win by one. Yeah, this smells like an upset. I don't know why. It just smells like an upset, but I can't take it, William. I got to go with yeah. Brian Dable. He'll solve the problems that occurred last week. The Giants take it 24 to 20. All right, next up, we got an NFC West matchup. San Francisco 49ers at Los Angeles Rams. We got the game in Los Angeles, Don, but 49ers favored by eight in this one. This spread is completely off. I don't know what people are thinking. This is a divisional game. The Rams will be in it because you know what? Matthew Stafford is back to his old self. That being said, the spread's too high. You know what? I'm calling an upset. Give me the wow. Rams to win this football game 25 to 24. I like that, Dom. I like it a lot. I'm not going to go with the upset here, but I do think this game will go to overtime. Give me San Francisco edging it out 30-27, to 27, an OT game. I think the Rams play it tough. It's their home opener. Crowd will be there, and crowd will be buzzing, especially after last week's win. But I just think San Francisco is too strong, and they end up getting that victory in overtime. Next up, New York Jets at the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys favored by 9.5. Obviously, you got to figure a lot of that is due in part because Aaron Rodgers is out. And this is just an unfortunate situation here. I'm going to go with Dallas. Dallas here winning, and I'm going to go with Dallas covering in this one. Uh, it may be tight early, but I just don't think that Zach Wilson has what it takes, especially against this defense, and they just won't be able to put up enough points. I'm going to go final score 27-13 to 13 here for the Cowboys. You said it, William. How many points will Zach Wilson be able to put on the board? Yeah. I don't think he puts more than 13. Give me yeah. Dallas 35-13. All right, next up, we got Washington Commanders at the Denver Broncos. Denver favored by three and a half here. Uh, Washington itching out the victory against the Arizona Cardinals here. Denver, a devastating loss there. Ooh, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Mm, I'm going to go Washington and give the upset. Give me the Commanders here. The Denver Broncos fall to 0-2. Washington inches out to 2-0, and and they win another close one. They win this game by one. Denver once again loses by one. Washington wins this game 21-20. Yeah, this is a tough one. Specifically, it's in mile high. Denver's going to want to win it big time. But I agree with you, William. I think the Washington Commanders with Eric Bieniemy's offense will put more points on the board than Denver. Oh. Give me Washington as well, 27-24. to 24. Nice. AFC East matchup to end Sunday night. Sunday night football, Miami Dolphins at the New England Patriots. Dolphins favored by three. You know what? This is going to be a good game, believe it or not. This is one to watch. I think the Patriots, with signing Gonzalez as their draft pick, he's really solidifying that secondary, which is allowing that defense to be pretty darn strong. And I think that Hill won't be able to get 200 yards in this game. That said, Miami still takes it 25 to 23. 
I'm going to go Dolphins winning this one. I see it being close up into the third quarter, and then I, I really see Jalen Waddle having a big fourth quarter. I can see all the attention going to Tyreek. Waddle having a bit of a, a quiet week one. I think that he has the better performance than Tyreek in this one. Yep, I said it. I'm going to go Dolphins 31-20 to 20 here. Dolphins improved to 2-0. Monday Night Football, we got a doubleheader here. Really weird. We got the games uh, an hour in between each other. One game happening at 7.15, the other one at 8.15. Quite strange here, but it'll be cool. Both games happening at the same time. Got to switch switch that television channel. Uh, Monday night, first game, the New Orleans Saints at the Carolina Panthers. We got New Orleans favored by three. I'm going to go with the Saints here, and I'm going to go with the Saints to cover. Give me a final score of 24-17. to 17. CJ Stroud has a better performance than he did in week one, but it will not be enough to beat Derek Carr and the Saints. Yeah, I think this is going to be a push here. If the spread is three, I agree with you, William. The Saints will win. That defense played very good, and a lot of more is just really hard to play against. So give me the Saints. I'm going to call a tight game, 23-20. to 20. All right, next up to end week two of the NFL start of the season, we got the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cleveland favored by two and a half down. You know, this is a big game for the Steelers. It's in Pittsburgh, and I think that's the reason why they win it. This is probably an overtime game, and Pittsburgh absolutely has to have it, and they will take it. Pittsburgh wins 23-20. to 20. Oh, I can't believe that. I told myself I was going to break my score in my head before you did. And that is literally the exact same score I had. I'm going Pittsburgh 23 to 20 in this one. I'll make it a little bit different, not in overtime. But yeah, I want to see more of this Pittsburgh offense. And I think that we do in this one. This is a, You're right. It's a big game for the Steelers on, but I think it's an even bigger game for the Cleveland Browns. If they could win this one and win two games against divisional opponents who are supposed to be both better than them this year. Um, and, you know, winning this game in Pittsburgh, which is not an easy place to play. I think that'll mean a lot lot for Deshaun Watson and this Browns team. All right, we got a few minutes left on the show, Dom. I'm glad. Let's talk about things you're looking forward to in week two, Dom. Question marks, things you want answered, things you predict. What is one or what are one or two things you're looking forward to in week two? Well, let's just start off where we left off with the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's really important that Kenny Pickett does not spiral down because this is a developmental year as well. Year two, it's all about, you know, year one, he got his confidence. Now you got to maintain that confidence and you're going against a really difficult Browns defense. That secondary is going to be there. So I expect the Steelers to use speed in this game to win it. And I think guys like Warren is going to be the guy that's going to lead the running backs and Calvin Austin will be the receiver that will catch at least a play action for a touchdown. Speed wins in the NFL. You saw it yourself with Tyreek Hill. The Steelers have it. Now it's the time to unlock it. I believe they will do it on Monday night. I, I like that you got a primetime game. I'm going to go with the primetime game. A game later on today, Minnesota Vikings and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Eagles favored by six and a half in this one. I think it's going to be a little bit tighter like I talked about a few moments ago. I want to see how both these teams play because number one, yes, the Eagles did come out victorious, but the, it wasn't the offense we thought we were going to see out of this Philadelphia team. And look, credit the Patriots. They're always a well-coached defense and they're they're not an easy team to beat, especially at Gillette Stadium. They insult the victory. I want to see how the Eagles play in this one. And I want Minnesota to come out and to win this football game. I think it'd be huge for them. It'd be big for Kirk Cousins specifically because there is no way in heck they should have lost last weekend in Minnesota against Tampa Bay. This game is in prime time, Dom. Everyone's going to be watching. You're playing the defending NFC champions. No one's giving you a shot in this game. You're underdogs and you did not have a good game last week. I want to see Kirk Cousins go out there in prime time and have a good game. He has it in him. And I want to see Justin Jefferson produce, which he did last week, and Madison to have a uh, you know a few TDs in this one. I got the Eagles winning this game, but for Minnesota, if you want to be considered Super Bowl contenders, you best believe you're not going to fall to 0 and 2 and lose to the Eagles and the Bucks. Go out there, shock the world, beat those Philadelphia Eagles. Kirk Cousins, I'm talking to you. Go make it happen. All right, folks, that is it for week one of the NFL season. It was a great, great week. Week two starting later tonight. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week. Same place, same time. Thank you for tuning in. You were listening to CJLO, 69 a.m. Montreal.